Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Recorded live. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Genesis Science Fiction Radio Show, the service of the BlackScienceFictionSociety.com website. This is your February second, two thousand eighteen edition. Uh, we're getting, we're we're actually getting into the year now, so it's kind of it's uh it's, it's pretty cool. And then all I can say is, so far, so good. I mean, the weather's been kind of flaky all over the country, but uh, as far as really strange things going on, not too much going on. Tonight's special guest is Alex Fernandez, and he's the creator of a, a I would call it video episodes, but it actually it's a show. It's a real live show on uh, on YouTube, uh, and I guess, I don't know, he might have it other places, we'll find out for sure, but it's called Body Jumpers, and uh, he's, you know, he's the director, he's the creator, he's kind of like the uh, the moving force behind it, and he's got uh, he's got a number of other things. I would call him probably a triple threat. Alex, welcome to the show. Good, good Thank to have you for you having me. Again. Oh, yeah. Thank you so oh, much. Good having you back. So, um, yeah, it's, it's always yeah. good being on the show. Yeah, now, where are you coming to us from tonight? I'm coming from Brooklyn, best eye. And And what's your weather like? Here in Chicago, it's been, you know, kind of like below uh, below freezing for a while. What about out, out east? Yeah, it's, you know, New York is very similar to, to Chicago and weather and also city-wise, but um, it's been freezing here. We're, today is freezing, so it's like 18 yeah. degrees right now. And uh, you're you're weathering it okay? We were talking before the show about the fact that, you know, uh, I'm not going to make the sign of the cross or anything like that, but we have all missed out on being really, really sick so far this, this winter. Right. Yeah, I've I've been lucky. I, I've been fine, and and I mean, it was it was really cold here in December, and I was lucky because in December I happened to be in in LA, so I was actually nice and warm. So when I came back, I mean, it's been on and off, like you said. It, it's one day you come out, it's fifty degrees, feels great, and then the next day, you know, it's it's one degrees. Mhm. Mhm. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and let me ask you this. Uh, for those who don't know, well, I just mentioned that you, you created this, this series um, called Body Jumpers. Well thought of, and uh, it, it works well. And the episodes I've seen, because we've, we've talked before, I, I really enjoy it. I like the production values. I like the story. I especially like the people you have, you know, the cast you have. Do you, um, are you filming in this weather? Are you doing stuff outdoors in this weather? Or are you much keeping indoors, or are you in a production phase for Body Jumpers? Um, well, I'm actually just working on all the because I have three series. I have I have Body Jumpers Resurrection, which is okay. a reboot of the original series Body Jumpers. Um, I believe last time when I was on, it was it was the original Body Jumpers. Now it's been rebooted. Um, so we're actually we're we're on season one on episode five. I also have my vampire series, Alex Fernandez's Dawn, 
and that's on the second season. We're about to kick off the first episode. And then I have another series that I just started a few months ago called Silent Stories, which is an homage to um, old black and white silent films and film noir. Um, cool. So and and then I have another, a new series, which is the phase I'm on now. Is the production phase I'm on now is is called Aurora Chronicles of a Hero, and uh, that's going to be set out in L.A. Um, featuring L.A. heroes and villains, and is starring. Tiffany Vigilobos and Angelica Bridges. Um, so I, I'm working on like on all my shows at the like basically at the same time. I work a little here, I work a little there. I also have my comic books um, because I have comic books based on all the shows. So sure. I, if I'm if I'm not working on a, writing an episode or editing an episode, then I'm writing a you know issue of a comic book. So I, I'm pretty busy. Man. Um... Do you do you have time to sleep, eat, uh, um, recreate, so, <laughs> with a family member or anything right. like that? Well, actually, I, at the same time, I'm also you know I'm also a stay home dad because my I work just twenty four seven. I just work on my shows. My wife has a regular sure. nine to five, so I have the kids. So once the, once I pick up the kids, then. I'm still doing my work. I'm still either editing or doing effects or whatever, but then I take, you know, I stop to cook dinner, you know, and stuff like that. So I kind of like multitask. I'm like Amon. You remember Amon and Living Color? I'm like that. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Lazy bastard. He's got 19 jobs. <laughs> yeah, I wear a lot of hats. Uh, oh, man. But well, I've been doing I mean, it for a long time, so I'm used to it. Yeah, and and the other thing that people should take note when they look at at your work is to look at the production values because this is not some, you know, Johnny-come-lately sit in front of a laptop camera kind of, you know, all of these series. You're you're genuinely putting out, you know, a really good product out there. Um, Thank you. And, and it, well, I mean, I'm just, I'm just saying. Now, when you... Being inundated with this and being at home with it all the time and kind of having your head wrapped around all of, you know, the three series, comic books, and what have you, um, how hard is it for you to disconnect and maybe get away from it for a little while? Or, or do you? You know, there are some people who just keep going. I, uh, I've been kind of like that for almost a year and a half in terms of writing, but right. I think the amount of things that you starting with the writing, and then going on through to, you know, production, filming, uh, casting, costumes, uh, you know, everything that that goes along with this, plus putting together comic books. So you're talking about writing, artwork, um, you know, it, how, how do you do it all and kind of remain sane? Because it seems pretty immersive to me. Um, well, it doesn't feel like work to me at all, first of all, because I, I love film. I love what I do. Uh-huh. I, I mean, I, I need film like like people need water. I need film. And okay. So to me, you literally got to, you know, my wife has to drag me out out, out out the room like, okay, give that a break. Or, you know, come eat. Or because I just get in that zone and I just want to edit and I just want to do effects um, and stuff like that. But, there, you know, I, I work... I, I work about 12 hours a day, 12 to 14 hours a day on my stuff. And then I take a break for two hours or whatever. I, I watch movies. I make sure I watch movies every day. So in the morning, I watch one movie. 
before I start work. So, like, at 8 o'clock in the morning, I take the kids to school. I come back. I watch a film. After I sure. watch a film, then, then I start to work on my stuff. I write or whatever. And then at night, I watch another film. I just relax, watch a film or watch some TV. Um, but that's how I relax, which is kind of ironic. But that's how I relax. I watch a movie. Um, <laughs> yeah. Now, do, you, do you have special movies you watch? Do you have a certain genre? What's the deal there? Um, no, I watch. Well, I watch all genres. I mean, I, it could be a silent movie from the 1920s. It could be. Uh, it could be a foreign film. You know, it could be Francois Truffaut. It could be a, a Alfred, Alfred Hitchcock film. Um, but I, when sure. I watch the films, I don't watch it as a fan. You know, I watch it with a filmmaker's eye. I watch. Where's the camera placement? Um, how's the story developed? What's the message that the film is trying to get across? Um, you know, and I watch bad movies too. I mean, I have some guilty pleasures that I sit down and, and watch. Um, so, yeah, I watch all types of genres. It doesn't matter. Uh-huh. I love film, yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's kind of a cool way to to improve around, uh, uh, around your own craft, you know, because seeing how other people you know, I I read like I, I probably read maybe I don't know twenty twenty five thousand books just in from the golden age of science fiction. You know, going back to the thirties and and, right. and maybe some earlier than that because you know Jules Verne did his right. uh, trip to the moon. Yeah, and so mm-hmm. when I I read stuff like that to see how other people make things happen in a story. Um, when when you're looking, I mean, when you look at that critical eye, you must be looking at everything, which begs the question, before you even started all of this, did you have any formal class? Did you, did you have any kind of instruction in the art of filmmaking? Um, yes, I mean, I, I have a degree in film. I have a degree in filmmaking. Okay. But before that, I <laughs> I was already a student of film because I love film so much. I was my my parents took me to the theaters when I was four years old. It was the first time okay. I remember being in the theaters, and we used to go every weekend, like religiously, like literally. We went every weekend. We would walk up the block and go to the movies. So I saw, uh-huh. and they didn't and they didn't censor me. They wasn't like, oh, we're not gonna we're gonna just go see Disney. So I saw everything under the sun. I saw The Godfather, Carrie, Exorcist. It didn't matter. My parents were like, we're gonna see the movie. And you're coming with me. And you're coming with me. So. <laughs> I, you know, I just fell in love with films, and I was when I was at home, I would spend all the time in front of the TV. The thing was, I never knew that I could make film because all the film that I used to ever watch was white white directors. So I just never well, thought sure. a, a Spanish a Spanish director. I don't know about that. Like I've never seen that, you know. And so it wasn't until later in life, when I was like 30 years old, that I was walking down the street and, and saw the sign that I could learn digital filmmaking. And then I quit my job the next day. And I went to film school. The next day, I signed up full time, and my son was only a month old. And my wife said, "Are you crazy?" And I said, "I have to do this, like you know, because it's something I always wanted to do my whole life, but I never thought I was able to do it, or, the, sure. or that we had that opportunity." So I mean, I can't afford to go to NYU or to UCLA or any of that stuff. But um, the school was teaching, and I said, "Oh, I'm going." And I went, and I finished six months early, and then after that. The rest is pretty much history. I did freelance video work for the the music group Full Force. There were the yeah. bullies in house in the movie House Party. So I was their videographer for a while, and then my friends kept saying, "You know how you know how you know how to do all these things, these effects, and all these stuff. You should create something." And then that's when I came up with Body Jumpers. 
Wow. And then now, you know, someone in the, in the, in the chat wants to know, for the comic book series, do you do most of the work? Do you do the writing, the inking, and the coloring? Or do you, do you have a team that helps you out? Um, yeah, for the comic books, I have a team. Um, it uh, I have certain books, like for example, for Body Jumpers, I have the Body Jumpers title, which features all the char- all the original characters from the original Body Jumpers, and then I have solo books, like it just features one character on a on a mission, whether it's a hero or a villain. Um, so those books are handled by Terrence, Terrence Baker. Does the art on those books? He's from Florida. And then on Dawn, I have a, another artist. His name is DeMont Board, and he's from Garland, Texas, and he does the art on that. And then mm-hmm. I have a, a colorist is Michael Armstrong. And so, you know, I have a team. Everybody does. I get a, a person to do the cover. So all I do is just write it. They do all the illustrations and all that, you know, all that stuff. And then when I get it back, then I take care of it. I send it to get printed and everything else. Wow. And then, um, when, how how much hands on are you about it? Because you know it is your intellectual property. When when you commission these people to do your work, are they kind of sympathetical with you? Do they already have kind of similar mindset that you need to produce what it is that you want to have? Or, or yeah, definitely a little bit of management. No, no, no. They, they, they're on the same page because actually it's funny because the way the comic book started because they used to draw a lot of fan art. They used to okay. always draw fan art on the shows. Like, well, you know, I love the show. I'm, you know, I'm a fan of the show. So they would draw the characters. And then one of them said, "Hey, you know, if you write the stories, we could draw. We, we, we could draw it, and we could make some comics." And I said, "Hey, well, you know what? That's not a bad idea. Let's do that." Right. Oh, cool. All right, and and you know how do you like because essentially you're you're the head of a multimedia empire right now. I know that sounds pretty high school, doesn't it? Doesn't yeah, it's like an ant empire right uh, now, but yeah, we're growing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Alex. Oh yeah, he's got a he's got a video and comic empire. But I mean, as as somebody, I mean, you you're kind of living the dream because you're getting to do the things you want to do, and you don't have to worry about, like me, I have to worry about deporting laptops and finding viruses right. and, and stuff like that in order to, to pay for my daily, you know, my daily uh, necessities. Um, you, you are able to spend essentially full time on working on your creative arts. Um, does that, do you see that as, as being different and, and obviously it's probably a good thing, but how does that affect what do, does it make you more efficient to be able to do that and not have to take a break? Yeah, definitely. Uh, that that's one of the decisions I made early on when I decided I'm going to do this. If I'm going to do this, then I'm going to go 100% in, and that's it. You know, I'm going to go full 500%. Just go all in, or because otherwise, why do it? So, um, my main thing is if you want to make it anywhere, whatever you do you need to be consistent. So that's my main thing. So that's why anybody who knows me knows that. That's what I always say. You need to be consistent. You need to be consistent because that's what I am. I've gotten this far because I've been consistent. Um, mm-hmm. Because if you if you put, like, let's say, you put one episode out, now we're going to wait six months before you put out your next episode, guess what? You're never going to build a fan base. You're never going to, well, you know, you're never going to get there. So you have to be consistent. So if, if I'm not putting... 
if I don't, I'm not putting an episode out, then I'm putting out a trailer. I'm putting out something, a, a picture, a poster, something to just keep people's interest going on every day. Oh, look, this is going on. Oh, this is going on. Oh, we're at this film festival. Oh, we won this award. Or oh, you know, and and so on and so forth. Um, just right. to keep the people's interest because people, you you lose the interest. They'll be like, oh, this guy hasn't done anything. So he, you only as good as your last episode, or has as good as your last movie. And if your movie was last, you know, last year then nobody really cares. They want to know what you're doing right now, what you got going on right now. And so that's that's what I always keep in my mind. And that it just gives me fuel to just continue to just keep producing and, and shooting stuff and then be like, oh, are we free guys? Okay, well, let's go shoot something. Yeah. You know, and, and the public can, can be pretty fickle about that too. You know, if they... You know, if they don't like something or, or like you said, you know, if, if on one episode you stumble, you can actually lose out quite a bit on the yeah. normally would have followed you. Yeah. So, the, I mean, when I was going to, when I, when I decided to be like, or with the original body dumps, when I decided to end it and, and start all over, that was one of my things. I would say, well, I kind of built this up already. I have, you know, thousands of fans and people really love this show. Now I'm going to end it. Now I'm thinking of starting it over. So I, I said, you know what I'll do? I, I, I'll just start it over. But then I'll still have some of the original characters from the original show, you know, come through and, you know, change their roles, become more supporting characters this time because now we have new characters, new stories to tell. But they're still there for the original fans. So, you know, yeah. I, you know, I, you know, I try to do a little fan service to them because, People do love those characters, and so I, I didn't want to just erase them and pretend it didn't. It never existed. So I said, you know what? I'll just. It's still the same. I didn't re actually reboot it. I'm just telling you another section of the Body Dumpers world, basically, because the characters still exist. The, the what I did in the original season one and two it still happened. That character uh-huh. still exists because I didn't. I created a whole brand new hero. I didn't like recast the role or you know anything like that. I just said I'll just create a whole new hero and. Like that, and I because well, let I me thought, ask you about that. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, because I had the dawn, and then I had improved so much over the years since the time that I had created the original body jumpers. I said I could do this over, and I could make it a lot better. So that was really the driving force for me to say, let me do it over. And and I think I was right. I mean, I, I love the new version of body jumpers. I think it's, it's pretty solid. Uh huh. That was what I was going to ask you. So. um you know, you've got the similar characters. I'm sure, well, we talked about this last time you were on, you have a nice team that you're working with, people that you really like and also people that you trust. A lot of people right. don't realize that how much trust um, is involved in doing something like this because if, if you're going to work with people on a production, they have to be reliable. They have to be prepared to, to do all the things necessary and to do them consistently you know, and, and even something as simple as showing up on time, which is one of my pet peeves, you know, right. um, you and I are very similar. I think your your philosophy is like mine. I, I feel like if I'm not 10 minutes early, I'm late. That's and, right. And so, and so <laughs> I, I hate when other people are late because, to me, that's a direct indication of just how little they think of you. You know, right. when people don't respect your time, they are, they are showing that, that they don't respect you. You know, so um, now with, with this, with the reboot, it looks like you're using a lot of the same people that you used before. So you, you, it seems like you're comfortable with your team. 
Is yeah, that fair yeah. To say? I mean, yeah, definitely. I mean, I I I love them like family. I mean, um, they're they're the original guys because you know they believed in me when I didn't have no work. Um, they were like the first people <laughs> I hired. You know, I didn't have no work. Okay. So I'm just telling them what this show is gonna be like, and they're like, okay, I'll do it. You know. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> and not only do they saw the work and be like, oh, you know what, this is pretty cool. Um, but you know that every I always just remember people that you know looked out for me or, or believed in me before I even believed in myself. So, um, yeah, they 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 good people, man. They're loyal to me and I'm loyal to them. So I created this initiative. I said, yeah, you guys got to be a part of it. Definitely, just let me just build up the story first, and then I'll bring you one. You know, each little by little start, you know, appearing here and there. But the story is still about the new characters and stuff. But they, they appear as, you know, supporting characters, whether they're mentors yeah. now. Before they used to be heroes, now they're kind of like mentoring the hero, you know, and then the uh-huh. hero still deals with some of their original villains. So it's all, but there's still, you know, there's brand new villains in the show and everything. There's, my daughter's in the show. She plays a young superhero called Glitter Girl. Um, she's oh, a fan she favorite. She's eight years old. She's going to be nine in June. How cool is that? It's pretty cool. You know, she loves it. She she enjoys it. You're you're grooming yourself, you know, uh, a star in the making, which is also very smart too, because you know, as you get older, hopefully she can like support you in your old age, you know. Right, right. And I have my son who, my son who now shows interest in in storytelling, and and that's what he wants to go to high school for is to learn animation. Because he's like, I could help you, you know, if I learn this stuff, you know. So he likes the behind-the-scenes work and stuff. So that's good, okay. too. So it's, it's, it's nice. And, and how old is he my, now? He's, he's going to be 14 on February 12th. But I always tell them, you know, I want you guys to always, like, I don't want you to grow up with a mindset that I'm going to go work for somebody from 9 to 5. I want you to, to be like, I want my own stuff. I want to I want to be the boss. I want to work. I want to, you know have my own company. I want to have my own stuff. So, um, because, you know, when we, when we were brought up, it was just like, when you get it, you know, when you get this age, you're going to go get a job and you're going to go work that nine to five in that cubicle. And that's what you're going to do for 60 years. So I'm just don't want my kids to fall in that trap and to know that, Hey, if you work hard, you could get your own stuff and you could, you don't have to work for nobody. Well, and these days there, there's certainly no loyalty in, in a company toward their workers anymore. You know, they're, you know, you're you're treated as uh, you know replaceable assets, and and exactly. so yeah. you know having control and of I your own destiny when I just was a makes regular sense. Worker. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's one of the things I hated when I was just a regular worker. Is, you know, you just you just a phone call away from being replaced. You know, there's there's a thousand of you out there, um, and yeah, I don't like that feeling too much. No, no, and and you know what, um. If you can find a niche, I mean, this makes so much sense anyway, um, because you know when you when you look at the big picture and and what you can do or what your kids can do, uh, you're going to find out that they're they're going to be first of all they're going to be happier. Second of all, the chances are pretty good they're going to be more creative, you know, because yeah. they're thinking in terms of what what does this do for me. You know, right. and that that's a good headspace to be into because a lot of kids don't think that way. A lot of kids don't have that benefit, you know. Right. So right. that's pretty cool, you know, that you're keeping it in the family. Um, later on, we'll talk about if you want to adopt me or not, and then I can get Definitely. in on some of the writing. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, because um, I, I grew up with a big family, you know, I, and I grew up watching shows like Eight is Enough, so 
There's always room for you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so now let's let's take a look at, uh, you know, we know about body jumpers, um, or the re- you know, and now we know about the reboot. Could you uh, tell walk us through your other two series um, a little bit so that people kind of know which other ways you're branching out? Okay, I have the other series is Alex Fernandez's Dawn. Uh, it's it's about a vampire, or she she used to be a witch who became a vampire, who now works for God. Um, right. So we did a, we did a season of that. You could cast the first season ten episodes. You could cast that on Vermeil on demand. Um, okay. They're available there, just you know, for streaming and stuff. And now we're we're working on the second season. And then I have the the new show that's coming out that I'm working on now that um, is going to be set in L.A. Um, it's being produced by Chris Smith. I have to mention him. He's my producer. And <laughs> it's written by uh, Hero Carlisle and Anthony DeMar. Oh, his name is so hard. He's going to kill me. But hold on. Uh, DeMarbier. That's his name. Anthony DeMarbier. Okay. And um, they're the writers on the on the show, and it features, and it has to do with a character named Aurora Walker, which is going to be played by Tiffany Villalobos, and it's it's basically an extension of the Body Jumpers universe. Um, so it's we have Body Jumpers here in 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 New York, uh, we have the Hero Nova, and then in LA we're going to have this Hero Aurora, and that show is going to be a six episode base show, and we follow her journey, how she becomes a hero, so on and so forth. And we introduce new villains. Uh, the main villain of that show is Dollface, um, and that's going to be played by Angelica Bridges. She's from the original Baywatch with David Hasselhoff, and she was in so many things, uh, Veronica Mars, Fox Kicking and Screaming. Um, so she's she's uh, going to be the main villain, and that's what that's what I'm working on now. That's you know the writers have been working hard. I also want to mention Amanda Lynn and um, uh, Shanti. I want to call them out because all these guys are working hard over there. While I'm over here in Brooklyn, they're in LA, and our fight choreographer for Freddie James uh, is working on the fight scenes and teaching the actors, you know, the fights and stuff. So it's it's, it's pretty exciting. We have our costume designer. Uh, her name is Chloe Early. She's doing all our costumes for the show. Um, so it's it's a different experience because I've I've been so used to just doing everything by myself. So now right. to have people supporting you and helping you, and and we all have one goal. And so it's 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 a pretty cool feeling. Um, yeah, it's hard work always pays off. And then in between that, I do my silent stories, which I mentioned before, is the homage show. Where because like I said I I love silent films and film noir so I said you know I want to create a little show I always want to do a silent film so I'll say I don't, I don't have I don't have the budget for that stuff yet but I can do silent stories so I'll do that and then I came up with that so each story is is, is a different story like the first one was like a about a thief who her house they break into it you know. And then the second one is like a horror story. The third one is more about a kidnap story. So each story is different, but they're all silent. There's no talking involved. 
Um, it's all just visual, just like film used to be when it first started. So it's it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And I and I pay homage. You know, you have the, the big shadows on the wall. You know, all that stuff. Is it, it's pretty is cool. it done in color or is it done in black and white? No, it's, it's totally black and white. It has all the dirt on it, you know, when you're watching it. <laughs> and green. It has the original music, uh, original music from the 1920s and 30s. And yeah. it's just silent. You, I, don't, I gave it my own twist where... Like if she pulls a gun, you hear the gun cocking or you hear the gun shoot, but there's no there's no talking in it. Nobody speaks. It's all okay. Yeah. Wow. Um. And 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 the music is is it that piano music from back then when people? Well, yeah. You, you I I use both, but in the first in the first story, I used actually like original songs from the 1920s. Okay. Um. Yeah. To just give it that feel. Um. Because a lot of people don't know this, but my father was born in in 1914, and so uh-huh. he had me when he was almost 60, and so wow. I grew up watching a lot of silent films. So that's how I got into that that part of the era. So I, you know, that's how I learned about the Lemire brothers, Charlie Chaplin, Douglas Fairbanks Sr., Lon Chaney Sr., Rudolph Valentino. Like that's what I grew up with was just watching all that stuff. You know what what happened to some of them, and I forget the you know the list, but uh, a lot of those silent film actors, they they didn't make the transition to talkies because they had terrible voices. Right, that that, you is, know, that like, is that is a fact. Really high voices or or unmanly voices. <laughs> some of those stars, and so that was such a damn shame that they lost out on that. You know, back then, of course, they didn't have dubbing where you could have somebody else right. of a whole movie, you know. So yeah. um that that's pretty cool. Now are those available on Vimeo on demand as well? Yes, they are. They're all, cool. all the shows, Body Jumpers, um, Dawn, Silent Stories, they're all on Vimeo, yeah. And and the, I do have to ask you about this one. Where did you get the idea for a vampire who's working for God? Well that's a pretty cool <laughs> concept. <laughs> what I did was well this is kind of funny it just I, I always say God just touched my, my forehead because I was I was in the shower and then it just hit me right there I just thought oh Dawn a vampire I don't know why that just came to me immediately I just said Dawn vampire so then what I started to do is just research let me see how because I know they've done a lot of vampires throughout history, film history Right. let me see how many vamp- what type of vampires they've done so I searched, and I saw all types of different vampires. I even saw space vampires. I saw everything. But I never saw I didn't see one vampire that worked for God or that prayed to God. So I said, well, that's uh-huh. different. <clears throat> I think that's the way. That's where I want to go. I'm going to say she's a vampire, and then she was evil for 800 years, and then the archangel Gabriel comes to her and offers her this gift. Either you, uh, you could die right now, or we'll give you a chance, a second chance for you. So if you just help us get rid of these other you know, creatures and monsters or whatever. And so that's how it came about because I did, wow. it was something I didn't see anywhere else. So I said, and so, and I know it's different because uh, last time we had a screening and we had a pretty big audience, maybe close to like a hundred. And we said, and I had mentioned, Oh, I have a vampire. So, you know, about a vampire who works for God and, and you can hear people in the, in the audience go, Oh, mm, mm, you know, so I know it's, it's, it's a different twist. So, no, I mean, obviously it's creative, you know, and that's the cool thing. Um, because you are, you have the infrastructure, you've got the team, 
you've got the tools, you've got the talent. Um, if you come up with something with a concept like that, it's pretty easy for you to go ahead and execute, which I like. You know, so so when you come up with an idea like that, you know, of course my joke was, well, why don't too many vampires work for God? And I'm thinking, well, he doesn't pay very good wages, right. benefits, you know. <laughs> especially if you're a vampire, what kind of benefits is God going to be bestowing upon a vampire? So it's right. kind of cool that you got, you know, that you're able to execute on that. And and what's been the response so far? For Dawn, Dawn has done well. It's, it's won awards for best web series, best special effects. Um it had, you know, people love people really enjoy that show and really love the character of Dawn and and the other characters in the show, the other vampires or or the zombie. Um yeah, it's it's been really good. So that's why, you know, obviously we're doing season two and stuff. But that's another thing about being able to do your own stuff. Like I always joke with the cast. I mean, I always tell them nobody could cancel us. I mean, this is our show. We just only we could cancel ourselves when we decide not to do it anymore. <laughs> uh, we well, can no, do as many true. seasons yeah. as we want. I mean, because it's just me grab my camera and let's go shoot this, and we'll have episodes. You know, and we'll just keep making them. So, yeah, in, in that sense, they don't ever have to worry about. Oh man, this show is gonna finish right now. Like, no, we're just gonna keep going and telling new stories and, um, yeah, or like, or and, like, but, the I'm glad people channel. like it. Yeah, or like the Sci-Fi Channel putting you on a crappy night. Right, right. I mean, they'll put, me, they'll put you like on a Friday night. I mean, that's the worst night. If you ever get a TV yeah. show and they tell you they're going to put you on Friday night, I mean, that's where shows go to die. Well, <laughs> I, you know, I I have to take a little bit of credit for that because, you know, when when you have a TV show and it's up against Genesis Science Fiction Radio Show, you know, that TV right. show is going to suffer, you know, because people exactly. are listening to this thing. So, right, you know, right. Right. That's a good point. <laughs> well, okay, so um you know, we've kind of covered the the comic because the comic is basically derivative of the shows that you've already got or the comics. Correct. I want to say Correct. comics. And and that's kind of cool. Um essentially what you've become already is a transmedia company because you know, you're you're putting out uh the same thematic product in you know, in, in multiple formats. Um, right. do you, you know, doing a, a video production is is big work. Do you have any, you know, ideas on the horizon of pushing it out further? And I'm thinking, well, what, what, what makes sense? Okay, graphic novels or, or maybe a cartoon series, or, excuse me, an animated series, because we don't want to call them cartoons. But, I mean, right. what are you looking at for, or branching out, or are you just kind of going to stay in your lane? And there's nothing wrong with staying in your lane, especially if you do stuff really well. Right. Um, no, I mean, I, I plan, one of the things I do plan to do is, is an animation. Um, I was supposed to do an animation short a few years ago, but it fell through. It didn't, it didn't pan out. Um, mm-hmm. But that's one of the things that I want to do is an animated animated film, I mean, or animated shorts, or because I think Body Jumpers and I think even Dawn, they will, they would translate well to animation. Um, sure. If you get the right animators, of course, and all that stuff. But yeah, that's oh, what yeah. I'm interested in. I'm also interested in, in possibly doing a short film because I haven't done a short film. I've done mostly web series. So I was thinking of possibly doing a short film this summer. Um, it's something that's been, you know, running around my brain for like, 
the last two weeks. So I've been thinking, oh, I think I have an idea for a short film that I want to do. So I'm, I might work on that in between break time. <laughs> right. And go yep, shoot that. Time. Yeah. 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 Break, time. break time means that when I'm not morning, working on the other you mean during the morning movie like. or the afternoon movie you know <laughs> well you know like um, you know blacksciencefictionsociety.com you know Jarvis is putting together a 3D animated movie and he also has the, um, he built the studio so that people in the um, members of VSFS uh, can can use the resources that he has in order to you know fulfill some of those dreams. Um, awesome. You know. Yeah, because have, he, you know Jarvis asked me if I could provide a voice for for the film. I believe he could correct cool, me if I'm I, wrong, but but I believe he asked me, and I said, sure, I would. <laughs> yeah, I did my lines, and he said I did okay, so I'm happy about that. I oh, think yeah. I had all of four lines. You like you, know. you were like you were like easy. You had to do one line at a time. <laughs> well, he uh, what he did was he made me a scientist because I didn't want to do a lot of lines because I you know I did I but I did I did want to have a speaking role in it. Um, right. I don't know how other people like my voice, you know, doing the show and things like that. I can't right. stand to listen to me. So if I was, I mean, that is, I can't listen to this into my voice. I, I agree. Uh, so if I had to do the major voice in a movie, I'd never see the movie, you know? Right. <laughs> so I agree. Um, now, now, have you ever appeared in front of the camera or are you strictly behind the scenes? Oh, God, I hate being in front of the camera. But I do it do with you? a muscle. Because sometimes we need a dead person and then we don't have nobody extra <laughs> or the you know, the actress boyfriend doesn't, you know, wanna play dead or whatever. So I'm like, Okay, I'll play dead. So I've been I've been in my episodes usually has a dead dude or you usually see my hand or somebody's feeding on me. Usually when a vampire is feeding on on a person it's usually me. And uh in Body Jumpers in the original series I appeared in the first episode because I didn't have Anybody. I only had one girl cast, and right. I needed another person. So what I did was, I played the role, and then I I dubbed my voice with my friend's voice. I put his voice mm-hmm. instead of mine, and I did like that because I I really hate being in front of the camera. But I mean, it was to get the show started. So certain things I I sacrificed. I was like, okay, I'll do it, but I ain't showing my face, you know. Yeah, that's how I I, but, I had. Go ahead. No, because I was going to say that people always tell me, well, you should be in there because, you know, Hitchcock is my favorite director, and Hitchcock appeared in all his films. So well, they, sure they always did, they're, they're always saying, you should be, you know, you should put yourself in, the, in it, at least a little part where you walk by or something. But I'm like, oh, no, thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I uh, I was assistant director on a, on a film here in Chicago, and we were filming at a restaurant. And for one of the scenes, they needed a couple people to sit at the bar in the restaurant, you know, so that it looked fuller. Right. But what what I we kind of screwed ourselves because by putting me on that bar stool in that shot, I had to sit there until that whole shot was done and that shot took like three and a half hours to do, so I couldn't right. do anything else but sit in that chair. So Right. Yeah, I, I try to stay out of the movies myself, you know. <laughs> Continuity. I mean, hey. <laughs> yeah, oh exactly. Exactly. Um and, and so now at this point do you have all your own equipment? Um, are you pretty much set up for 
you know, light cameras, all of that stuff, or or do you still have to, to scrounge around to get what you need in order to complete the episode? No, no, I have all my stuff. I have my, all my own equipment. I have I have cameras. I have dollies. I have boom mic. I have all that stuff. My green screen. Right. I, yeah, I'm self-efficient. I have like zero crew. I just it's just me. So I have all my stuff. Um. I always had my stuff even when I was in school because I always felt like I don't want to be asking people, yo, can I borrow your camera? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Nah, that's yeah. like no, no, asking somebody yeah. for their car every time. Yo, can I borrow your car? Can I? No, no, no. I need to get my own. So I always made sure I had my own equipment and stuff because that way I always tell people, I mean, at first it was difficult because it was just me, right? But now I'm so used to that doing everything by myself that I don't have to wait for nobody. I don't have to rely on nobody. I just right. do it. You know, I go shoot, yeah. I come back, and usually sometimes when I shoot, that same day when I get back, I'm already editing that same night because I don't procrastinate and I, I can't have stuff sitting on my desk. I have to get it done. And so I I usually knock – usually when I finish an episode, like three days later, the episode – when I finish shooting, the three days later, the episode, I is usually uploaded and out um, because wow. I, I, I when I shoot something, then I come home and I work on those effects during the days that we're not shooting, I'm working on the effects editing. So by the time I go shoot the next scene, the other stuff already has effects, music, it's already color correct, it's already everything. <laughs> and so it's just like, I, but, you know, I just keep adding on and then it's done. So uh-huh. I move pretty fast, yeah. Now, do you shoot in high, you know, some sort of high definition? Yeah, definitely. High definition. Uh, what, I, I don't shoot yeah. 4K yet because... Uh, not not in 4K, just regular HD, yeah, 1920 by 1080. So it's more like 2K, yeah. And, uh, well, I, you know, from what I know of uh, the people I work with here, it's pretty expensive, you know, obviously. Excuse me, I have the hiccups. The higher the resolution you get, the, um, you know, the more robust... <laughs> Excuse me. The computers have to be, and yeah. and also your data storage devices too. You know that yeah. that's not cheap. And every time they go and they increase the uh, the resolution, uh-huh. you know, for how they film these these make these movies and TV shows, you know, it's a pretty expensive endeavor to keep up technologically. True. Yeah, because pretty much when you replace the camera, then you got to kind of replace everything else. <laughs> it's kind of like when you go buy. Uh, if you if you go buy new clothes and you don't and you wear old shoes, your shoes look even older. <laughs> oh yeah. You gotta yeah. kind of buy new yeah, shoes yeah. to go with your new clothes. Um, it's the same thing. So if you buy this new camera now, nothing you know nothing uh, reads it or understands it, and you're like, I gotta upgrade my my computer so it can withstand the resolution on here because it's 4K and everything's running slow, you know, and all that stuff. But eventually, I mean, even if it's 4K, when you export it, you're usually gonna export it at 2K. So it doesn't really matter. I mean, right now. Well, yeah, for right now, because you're doing everything on you're you're displaying on the web. Yeah. And, you know, well, I let's mean, be I, honest. My stuff been displayed in movie theaters. Um, we have oh, it has. Okay. In, yeah, yeah, yeah. We have screenings in Times Square and AMC movie theaters on a huge screen. And it looks fine. Sounds fine. Yeah. And you know what? Most people who go don't know the difference. Yeah, I mean, but in school we always learn. Like when you. When you do a video, like, for example, if I was doing something for a client, right, a video or whatever, which is that's probably never, but I'm doing something, right? 
you always tested <laughs> you always tested to make sure that they will always tell you make sure you test it on a computer make sure you test right. it on a DVD player make sure so you can see how it looks on a TV if you can see how it looks on the on the movie screen you can in my case I can because I ha- my my main source of watching my films is a is a HD projector so I, and I have mm-hmm. a 100 inch and I have a 100 inch screen so I I test it on my son's TV and then I come and I put it like on my stuff and I can see here how it's going to look in the movie theater because I have the same thing. I have a projector just like they do. So I can see exactly how it's going to be and stuff. So my, when my stuff shows up, is it looks nice and clear and it plays good. Yeah, not yeah. it doesn't get pixelated or anything like that. I mean, because I'm very aware of all that stuff. I make sure right. my stuff looks thing, good. The other thing that a lot of producers and, and um, editors and, and DPs don't often, especially if they're newer, you know, you catch on fairly quick. But the other thing is lighting. Lighting is so important, especially right. when you're going from <coughs> DVD to Blu-ray to, to the big screen. And, you know, we we did a trailer for a, a, a production trailer for a movie that we still want to do. And, we, you know, my my editor was very careful to make sure that when it went up on the big screen, it it looked it looked flawless, you know, and that's not yeah. that's not something you can guess at. That's something you really have to know what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, because a lot of people don't are unaware of broadcast safe, you know, and broadcast colors and stuff like that. So they just think, you know, and a lot you can always tell who knows about film. Usually, when you right when they're you press play, and you look at a right. person's material, you can tell right away. You don't need to. Well, at least I can. I I can look at ten seconds or something and tell this person knows what they're doing or this person just picked up a camera and said, I'm just going to try to make this movie. Um, because people just think, oh, it's just pick up the camera and we'll put the camera here. And okay, guys, you do that. And that's it. It's done. You know, they have no idea of the rule of thirds of crossing the line. They don't have no, they don't understand film language. And so you can see it immediately. The minute you look at it, the minute it turned on, you're like, okay, this person just picked up the camera and decided to be a filmmaker that day. But they really don't understand filming, how it works, and the rules. I mean, because there is rules to filmmaking, and you could break them, but you need to know them first. And mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and for me, <clears throat> excuse me, for you it's the visuals. For me, it's the audio. I can tell immediately when I hear something. I can just have my eyes closed and just listen to to someone's work, and I can tell right away if they know what they're doing or not because people don't realize how important sound is. It's sometimes right. even more important than the visuals. And you got it. So um, it is kind of fun watching how other people do stuff. Uh, and, and like you said at the very beginning, learning from other people is it, it, it's something that everybody should pay attention to. You know, uh, what's that mm-hmm. movie? Uh, oh, Citizen Kane. You know, mm-hmm. when you look at Citizen Kane and you look at what Orson Welles did with some of those shots and right. and camera placement and shadows, I mean, did, did that sort of thing, have, I mean, have you, you've probably seen it. I mean, you've seen just about everything, right? Of course I've seen Citizen Kane, yeah, yeah. yeah. He would, and, he would and, put and, holes in the ground and then stick the camera, you know, in, oh, the, in, in, the, in the ground and stuff. But uh, then, yeah, I mean, I, I study all those filmmakers because all that's and my my film teacher would always tell me, and I always says that if you only watch American movies, 
it's like you always, you know, like you're always eating a hamburger, but you know, you don't know what a steak, a steak tastes like. So you got to watch foreign films because they make their right. films differently. They tell their stories differently. And so you mm-hmm. got to watch a- Asian cinema. They tell their stories differently. Bollywood, they tell their stories different. So you really got to watch all types of films to really, you know, get to understand. And it also helps when you when you work with other people um, in film. You usually reference another film when you're talking. So if you say, I want sure. this scene to be like, for example, I want this scene to be like Citizen Kane, you know, the Rosebud scene. If the person didn't see the movie, they have no, no idea what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, or or I want I want this long low to high shot to be like in the living room in Citizen Kane with the big windows and the shadows. Right. People go what? Yeah. Yeah. If you didn't see it, you don't know what the person's talking about. So it's important to watch. A lot. I always tell people if you want to make films, you got to watch films. Um, <laughs> that's, there's just no way around it because mm-hmm. it, it's just your your your, your subconscious just because I, I've been watching movies since I was four years old. Movies and TV shows. So I've seen, you know, I have thousands of hours in my brain and it's my subconscious just recorded that I can just fall back to when I'm shooting. Oh, let me just get this angle or let me get this shot. But then later on when I go and you can compare them. Like I, I actually put out a thing on Facebook where I compared a lot of shots from scenes from my episodes and I put them next to a, a film, you know, a big Hollywood film and you see the frame is exactly the same, the person's pose the same. Um, and it's because it's just in my subconscious. Well, not only that, but the fact of the matter is there are better ways of doing this, that, and the other thing. And and there are, and this is a word that doesn't exist, everybody, but there are worser things, too. Um, right. <laughs> if, 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 well, I mean, come on, let's be honest. If you, if you shoot something, technically it may look fine, but it may not pop. It may not convey, I mean, really, when, when you make a movie, you're talking about visual and audio nuance. You know, and right. a lot of people don't understand that. Uh, I'll tell you, one one movie I went to and almost walked out of, it was Pacific Rim. And a lot of people like the movie. A lot of people say, oh, you know, Magnus, Saturday, uh, other thing. But that was the work. I mean, I was embarrassed, you know, for how they, they, they framed up their shots. And then also, you know, I think this is mostly the theater's fault, but it was like the loudest movie I ever saw. And right, when it's right. that loud and it's that oppressive, it, it, there's no nuance. There's no, there's no flavor. There's no, you know, it's like, like you said, it's like yeah. eating a fast food hamburger compared to one that you make yourself. You put a little green pepper in there. You put yeah. a little onion in there. <laughs> you know, you put some A1, you know, or whatever. So, I mean, it's kind of cool that you've got all of this background. And, and the other thing is that you didn't fall into a trap that a lot of people do. And you only looked at one kind of movie. I mean, obviously, looking at all of these different movies makes a big difference. Um, I yeah. did a production trailer for a uh, a comedic bank heist movie, and the production trailer didn't really have broad, you know, American kind of humor, slapstick kind of humor. It was more, you know, the laughs were a little more, well, they were more European. You know, somebody said that they were more right. European, something that you would see in Europe. And, and you know, for us to have put that together like that was deliberate. We didn't want it to be like, you know, the, what is it, Keystone Cops or, right. Right. I don't know, they're just some, yeah, yeah. So, um, 
and oh, somebody put in the chat room, big and loud is the American way. Well, that is yeah. That's what I was gonna say. Big, that's what I was gonna say. Welcome to some blockbuster. Yeah, and blowing shit. Uh, excuse me, blowing things up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, we, we we won't have a single explosion in there, but you know, we want it to be funny. Um, right. When you start writing an episode, take us a little bit through your process. You already have a story arc in mind, obviously, because you've got these theories. You have, you know, they have to flow. They have to make sense, except the one where it's almost like amazing tales where you, you tune in, you know, to a silence, one of your silence, and it can right. have a completely different kind of theme, a different kind of plot, and, and I'm guessing even different kinds, different actors. You know, right. you don't have a set, a set, uh, a set of characters, right? Well, that's also the the well. The thing for the silent stories is it is actually the same actors, and in each story they're going to be playing for the most no, part no, no, different I mean roles. Characters. Yeah, characters. They, they no, play yeah, different, it's different characters. Different characters, it's different yeah. characters. Yeah. So it's like a kind of a variety show where I got the same team of actors, but in each episode they're playing different characters. Sure. Now, when you when you start. Take us, like I said, take us through your process. When you, you know, after you've uh, taken the kids to school, you come <laughs> home, you watch your movie, uh, you decide whether you're going to get drunk and then sober up quick enough right. so that you can pick the kids up. Um, right. But what do you do when you start thinking about a brand new episode? You know, how do you start? Do you think in terms of, you know, like I said, you've got character arcs, you know, but how... You know, do you do you think in terms of okay, who's going to populate this, and and then you write the story, or do you have the story and then decide who's going to play what roles? What's what's your process for putting together one of your episodes? Well, for me, the hardest episode to always do is the first episode. Okay. So because I I have I haven't created the world yet, I haven't you know I haven't introduced people to the characters and stuff like that. But once that first episode is established and done and put up. Then I just basically follow what happens and just think, well, this happened in the last episode, so this must go. This must go go next, and so it's more like a domino effect. I just keep going. I follow that character. I say this happened, and this must happen to, to them next, and then from that, because of that happened, then this is going to happen, and so I keep building like that. So from episode to episode, it's, it's easier because I just I'm continuing a, a certain thread, but for the episode itself, when I'm like, okay, now I got to make episode two, I can't write that episode until I, I find what I call a, the MacGuffin, which is okay, what yeah. this episode is going to be about. What What is it, you know, what is the thing like, uh, let's see, like, uh, okay, in Raiders of the Lost Ark, the MacGuffin is the Ark, right? So that kind of thing. So once I get that, oh, I know what the episode is going to be about, or Dawn, or um, Lucifer comes and visits Dawn. Oh, bam! And once I get that, <laughs> then I yeah. can just then it just it's like the floodgates open, and then I just sit there, and then I can just I, it just comes all out. And sometimes I write it all, and then I don't remember what I wrote. Like the next day, I'll look at it and be like, oh, whoa, I wrote all this because it's just like I get in the zone, and I just got to sit there and write it really fast, and you know how it comes out. But usually, once I I know what that episode's going to be about, I can write it. If I if I don't have that, I can't write it, and it could come to me quickly, or it could take from it could take days um, yeah. before I before I, I get it. So usually, what I do when I'm stuck is I I sit down and I watch a movie, 
And while I'm watching the movie, whether just watching the movie or watching it with commentary with that, that certain director talking, then all of a sudden, you know, I give my brain a break, it relaxes, and then an idea comes. And then I say, oh, I got it. I know what I want to do. And then from there, I just keep building it around there. Because sometimes I may build it around one specific scene that I have in my brain and then build the whole episode right. around that. Or an idea an actor has, um, actor or actress that may have and say, oh, you know, Alex, I have an idea. You know, we haven't done this before. Wouldn't it be cool if we did? I'd be like, oh, man, that's great. Let's do that. Um, because I'm also, I always listen to my actors and actresses' ideas. I, I listen to everybody's ideas. I, I never shut nobody down. Sometimes I use them, sometimes I don't. But it definitely their idea is better than mine. That's the idea that we're running with. Um, so many, a lot of the episodes have come from just the actors, the actresses saying, man, like, for example, in the original Body Jumpers, Agent Nexus, she in real life had got this beautiful necklace. And one day she was wearing it. She came to the house and she said, you know, it'd be cool if, we, if I could use this for an episode or something. And that gave me an idea. I said, holy uh-huh. crap, this could, be, this could be like a special rune. It's like a mystical crystal. And I just came up with the whole episode. And then I, you know, I gave her the credit in the episode. I said, based on an idea by, you know, Alicia Walter. Because it was just her signaling to her necklace saying, Which maybe I could wear this in the episode or do something. With it. And it just gave me a whole bunch of ideas. So, so the pre- once you have the premise, Everything goes smooth from there, right? Yep. All right. Somebody's got a question here. He said uh, they are asking, uh, how'd you get Bowlegged Lou for your series? Bowlegged Lou, because as I mentioned earlier, um, when I got out of film school, well, well, while I was still in film school, I did a documentary on Full Force. And of course, Bowlegged Lou is from Full Force. Um, okay. I had this documentary on them. And then after I did the documentary on it, they, they loved it. And so... That's how I became the videographer. So I went with them on, you know, on cruises. Um, you know, twentieth. Uh, we, we celebrated the twentieth anniversary of hip hop. Uh, I mean, of house party. The whole cast was there, Reggie Hudlin and stuff like that. So we got cl- the connection was that my wife used to work with Paul Anthony's wife from Full Force. He was he was the big Diesel guy. Um, okay. And then my wife came home and said, you, you remember Full Force? They went to the movie house party? I said, yeah. She said, I work with one of their wives. I said, get out of here. I said, you think I could do a documentary on them because I have to do a thesis film? It'd be cool. I said, I'll, I'll be, you know, I'll be, I'll be the cool guy. I got like, you know, everybody will come in with trash and I'll come in with this documentary on this music group <laughs> that everybody knows from the 90s. And so she asked them and they said, yeah. And so I went to their studio. I filmed them and then that's how that connection came about. And so when I created my body jumper show, by the time I got to like the third episode, I contacted Volley Lou and I asked him, I said, listen, could you do me a favor? Would you appear in in an episode, you know, as a villain? I said, and, but you can't be funny. I said, because everybody's going to expect you to be funny. So I want you to go against character and not be funny. I want you to be the main villain on the show. You're going to have powers. And so that's how uh, it came about. Yeah, that's how that came about. And And it's funny, you know, people don't understand um, outside the industry, actually, or just about any kind of creative endeavor, just how much um, networking plays a part in in getting things done, making connections. You know, um, uh, you know, it, it, you find out kind of like the weirdest connections right. between people. Like one of my one of my biggest. Um, uh, 
you know, I have people who I collaborate with, not not so much collaborate on my stories, but at least I'll run things by them. I right. have beta beta readers and stuff like that. <clears throat> and somebody is uh, on my behalf is pushing is actually going to get a copy of one of my books into Samuel L. Jackson's hands because there's a perfect part for him in there if for an adaptation to a movie. And that wouldn't have happened unless I had this relationship. You know right. what I mean? So so you never know what's going to happen. And and there's a lot of people out there who are, I mean, let's be honest, people are kind of worried about other people stealing their intellectual property. But if right. you do a great job on what you put together and you get your work out there, even if, if people steal, first of all, it's an homage, maybe backhanded at that if they're really, you know, it's like a comedian stealing other other comedians' jokes, or you know people are doing it because they are they are honoring the quality of the work that you've done. Um, sure. I want to ask you this: when when you can you tell us a little bit about you know and and this is touchy. If you don't want to, just say no. But can you tell us a little bit about how your series help build revenue for you? in order for you to keep going? Is well, it most from of the, advertising? Is it from endorsements? Is it from donations or, or, or you know, appeals? You know, how, how does that work for you guys? Because um, what well, you're doing most, is expensive. Yeah, well, mostly ahead, is, um, you know, we saw the comic books and the DVDs on Amazon. And, okay. And at conventions, when we attend conventions, um, you know, people come out and buy the merchandise, they can buy keychains, posters, you know, all that stuff. So mm-hmm. that's 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 really where it mostly comes from. And wow. um yeah. And the um you know, for me on demand, people could you know, they, they can buy the episode for like two dollars, they can buy the episode and they download it and keep it, or they can rent the episode for ninety nine cents and then watch the episode. So all you know, all that stuff. And and I'm wondering, you know, have you explored? And I'm just asking because it's just something we we had like a old style beer sponsor us doing a trailer. Um, right. Do you do you ever think about sponsors or product placement? Um, is that something that you pursue? But it is it is pretty time consuming. You almost have to have somebody who does it exclusively. Yeah, that's that the thing. That's in your life content? Go ahead. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's something I am interested in. Um, as you know, sponsorships and stuff like that. It's something that I was always curious about. How do I get connected to that and all that other stuff? But like, like you said, I'm already doing like a hundred million things. So it's just like, unless a sponsor sees my show and reaches out to me and say, "Hey, I'll be interested," <laughs> you know, or I meet somebody at a film festival or a certain event or where where I'm invited to go speak, and then I can meet a certain producer or, well, or whatever it is that could connect me into it. Because you know, it's it's it always. No matter how talented or whatever it is, it's not it's not what you know, it's who you know. That's what it always boils down to. Um, and if you don't know the right people, you can't get plugged in. Okay, uh, again, going back to that networking thing, how important networking is. Yeah. Wow. Um, okay, so uh, we're about halfway through the show. The reason why um, I, I mentioned to Jarvis that tonight would be a good night to bring you back was because you have something coming up tomorrow. Um, could you could you let us know a little bit about what this 
event is, um, as so hopefully, so people can support it. Go ahead. What well, uh, tomorrow we're having? We're doing. We we usually do like Facebook Live once or twice a year. No, we probably a few more year, few few times a year. But this is our first Facebook Live of, of this year, and so it's going to be me and this a body jumper seriously, Gina Lou, and we're going to be answering fan questions that come through um, and ask us, and we're also going to be having a we're going to have a giveaway. We're going to give away a few prizes, comic books, and keychains and certain stuff. Uh, we'll, we're going to play like a giveaway game where we'll ask a few questions about body jumpers episodes, certain episodes. Whoever answers it correctly, you get to win a, a free prize, and we'll ship it out to you. Very cool. And and what uh, what Facebook page will this be happening on? It's going to be on the Body Jumpers uh, Facebook page. Okay. And what time? At three o'clock. What time zone? <laughs> Eastern. That's right. I forgot. I'm sorry. Okay. I no, no, no. I. You know. Hey, look, you know, half of our posters for this show uh, talk about we're doing it during daylight savings time. So believe me, I'm not I'm not a stickler for that sort of thing. Um, okay, so 3 o'clock Eastern on the Body Jumpers Facebook page is when you're going to have this live event that people can drop in on and not only learn a bit more about the show, ask questions about it, Maybe even get uh, get links to go take a look at some episodes while you guys are live, but they can they they can maybe even win prizes while they're watching. Right. Yeah, we'll be giving away comic books tomorrow, body jumper comic books and stuff, keychains. Um, as long as they know the stuff, we'll see who the real fans are. If you know the answer to it, you're gonna win. <laughs> so, and and are, are you gonna have people? who are associated with the show, some of your characters or some of the actors and things like that, will they be there as well to answer direct questions? Yes. The series lead, uh, Gina Liu, who plays Nova, she's the hero of the show, she's going to be here. And so it's going to be uh, me and Gina uh, doing the Facebook uh, live uh, Q&A. Very cool. Very cool. And and how long has this been in the making? When did you decide to do this? Um. Well, like I said, we do it. We did it last year, also. We do it a few times in a year, and then sometimes I do okay. the Q and A with like I do it with Dawn, um, because it's it's nice to connect with fans and let them ask, you know, whatever they feel like asking us, just from well, regular sure. day life or whatever. Um, because if it wasn't for the fans, I wouldn't be where I'm at right now. So I always try to give back to fans, and I usually try to hold like art camp contests and say. You know, whoever draws, I'll pick three people to be judges, and then I'll say, if you draw, whoever draws a character from Body Jumpers or from Dawn or whatever, whoever gets first place, you're gonna get a, you know, you're gonna get season one DVDs. Uh, second place, you're gonna get a comic book. Third place, you're gonna get a keychain. So I, you know, I try to just, you know, make it fun for everybody. Sure, sure. <clears throat> Excuse me. Someone who is, oh, let's see. Oh, they're in LA. Don't know their name. Um. Are, are talking about you know you bringing back Mistress Raven? Am I bringing back Mistress Raven? Mistress Raven um is from the original series and she's a character that she she created Seraphim, which Seraphim okay. is actually in in the reimagined. She's she's in the new uh, Body Jumpers Resurrection. She's still there. So Mistress Raven, there's always a chance that she could pop up because it, she's connected to that character. She's also connected to another character called Viper. 
So it's always possible. There you go. Well, and, and, and the cool thing is, is it's not like you have everything written in stone. I mean, obviously you have your, your story arcs, but the way, the way you put together an episode by coming up with a premise means that if you think of something really cool with someone, you know, from the past or, or, or someone new or whatever, yeah. um, then you're, you're off to the races, aren't you? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, because also sometimes people's schedules too. The person may not be free, and sometimes they become available. And all you know, they're not from you know they're not in New York. They're somewhere else, and then they come to New York, and they so it's like okay, well let's shoot, you know. So it's just always possible. Uh, I, I always leave possibilities open uh, to be able to shoot something or bring somebody back from the past that they haven't seen in a while, and then people can go, oh wow, look, there goes this guy. I thought he was never coming back. So. It's always cool. Yeah. Now, um, for those who are, <clears throat> excuse me, for those who are thinking about or or might even be doing, you know, the same kind of video uh, production that you're doing, can you talk a little bit about the equipment and the software that you use to give people an idea, just you know, just what you use for your workflow? Um, for as far as for edit for video editing, I use Final Cut Pro, okay. and then for visual effects, I use After Effects, and mm-hmm. I use photo and I use Photoshop um, because sometimes you need to erase certain things in the scene. Maybe you left a you know let's say you left a tripod in the scene or something like that. <laughs> you can just erase <laughs> that stuff. You, you you know you bring it into Photoshop and you just erase it. Um, yeah. So yeah. All that kind of stuff. So for, mainly for visual effects is is that kind of stuff. So when you see her like flying, or like in body jumps, when you see a car, Nova flying through the skies and all that stuff, I I shoot that right here in my living room, and she's actually just laying on my coffee table in front of my green screen, and we have fans blowing her hair and stuff like that. And then some of the some of the stuff I just do, I just composite right on top, like. Some of the stuff we just shoot outside while they, if they're fighting and they're shooting electricity at each other. I, all that stuff is just done outside, and then I just add the effects onto it. So it's I a mean, process. It, well, yeah, it is. But I, it sounds to me like you do the best you can to keep it as uncomplex, as simple as possible, not only to, to save wear and tear on what you have to do, but sometimes simpler is better. You know, and if you start, I mean, when you are looking at a scene, are you always thinking less is more, or are you thinking about the gestalt, the whole thing of the scene, or, I mean, how do you, you know, talk a little bit about, you know, what what is your eye doing in terms of how you're going to compose a shot or, or, you know, a sequence? Well, usually when I write the script, and I already have the script done, or even while I'm writing it, I already see it visually in my mind, so when I show okay. up, to go shoot this episode. I've already seen this whole episode in my brain already. So that's why I'm able to shoot it kind of fast because I already know exactly the shots that I want when I already show up. Like, I don't use storyboards. Um, Everything is just in my head. Like, by the time I put the episode up, I've already seen the episode like a thousand times in my head already. Um, Literally, which is funny, but that's that's just the way my brain works. I, I, I... I see the shots. I see the whole episode clearly in my brain. I just need to pick up my camera and just tell the actors, okay, well, you're walking this way and this is what's going to happen. And, you know, you know, I block the scene and, and stuff. But the, the 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 shot that I'm shooting is, is already clear in my head. And it sounds like you skipped the storyboarding um, 
step because yeah, you've already got the visualization use, in your head. Yeah, I don't use storyboards at all. I'm actually, uh, I'm really, uh, I don't, I don't have no interest in really <laughs> using storyboards. Um, some directors use them, some don't. Uh, it depends on the director himself. Uh, me, I'm, I'm not a storyboard person. I just, because I already have the, the visuals in my head. I know exactly how I want to shoot it. I want, you know. So yeah, I, I, I don't use them. Yeah, and and I don't recall because I'm old. But about how long are your episodes? Uh, they're about minutes? twenty minutes. Okay. Twenty. Yeah, minutes. it seems yeah. kind of like yeah. I I think storyboarding might do you more. You know, might might be more of a utility if you decide to do a feature length film, because that right. way you definitely won't miss any shots. That well, the way. only a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Um. Well, I probably would. The only reason I, that I say yes for a feature film because I probably wouldn't use them there either. But I would probably use storyboards for certain scenes just to so that everybody that's working on that specific scene has a clear idea of what we're going for and how it's going to be done and shot and stuff like that. Because, you know, it's in my brains, but now if you're working on a feature film, you have 300 people and they all need to see what your brain is seeing. And so... In that case, I probably would use storyboards just to show people, look, this is what we're going to do and this is how we're going to shoot it. But for the most part, I'm more of a gung-ho person. Like, let's just, let's just shoot it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and how many regular people do you have in your crew who are behind the camera? Behind the camera? Only me. That's it? What about I don't have no, I have, I have no crew. I have zero. I do everything by myself. I literally do everything by myself. I have zero crew. It's just me and my cast. That's it. Wow. So I have my boom mic. I have all that stuff. But I, I'm. It's just me. I have no crew. I carry my own camera. I carry my own tripod. <laughs> I carry my own mat. When people, when we gotta do the little stunts and people gotta fall, we gotta do fight scenes. It's just me and my cast. For all my shows, I, you know, it's just me. When I look at the production values, frankly, I'm amazed. I, I really am amazed, <clears throat> especially in terms of sound. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, I said thank you. Um, so, okay, so let's, let's uh, you know, you've got your little empire. And I, and please, I don't yeah. mean that in a bad way. I mean that in a, no, that's in a good way, dude. No, no, I know. Show, no, no, comic. it's just funny I mean, because I, I know where they But I know what you mean. I, I know what you mean. But, you know, because no. I also realize that it's also very difficult to do. Most people, they do a show, they'll do, most people don't get past the first episode for shows because it's very difficult to continue doing, especially if you're not doing it by yourself. If you got to do, if you got to go get a cameraman, you got to go get a sound guy, you got to get a visual effects guy, you got to go get an editor, you know, you got to get all these things, all these components, then it's very difficult. But since I could do everything by myself and I don't really need anybody, it makes it a lot easier. All I need is a cast, and we can go right. shoot whatever we want. And we don't have to sit back, and we don't have to wait for nothing. Let's just go do it. So that's why I'm able to do my stuff because I'm, you know, I'm like, let's go. Let's go shoot, <laughs> you know, um, because I know I don't have to wait for nothing. I'm like, we could go. Let's, let's see. We shoot this today. Yo, I could have this episode out by Tuesday or whatever, and everybody be like, Cool, let's do it. So we just go do it. Um, so in that way, in that sense, is is I'm very I'm able to move around a lot faster instead of being like, okay, I don't have to call, you know, 
Jack and Jill to be like, are you done editing? Are you done with the visual effects? And they're like, oh, well, you know, I'll get, you know, I'll be done by next week. So I don't have to deal with none of that stuff. It's just, let's right. go shoot it. And then I'm going to go put, you know, I'm going to put it, th- put it together. And I'm going to put it out and move on to the next one. So. Well, you definitely save on the cost of production too. That too. Yeah. You cheap yeah. bastard. Um, yeah, I know. <laughs> but you know what? That, in the long it. run, in the long hey. run, that pays off. You know, a lot of people think, "Oh, I, I need a crew of thirty to do a right. twenty-minute something or other," and right. you know, it, you you have to pay those people. A lot of people yeah. think, "Well, you know, you're you're getting experience, or you're you're an unpaid uh, production right. or something." And and for someone like you, you know, I don't, you know, obviously. You're doing a series, and if you had if you had a crew of thirty, you'd have to pay a crew of thirty. So you're very right. lucky that you're able to do it all on your own. Um, I'm guessing, okay, you know, this is just between you and me. Nobody else will hear this, right. but I'm guessing you don't you don't pull permits to uh, to to shoot in the city. No, I mean, the you time. don't need permits. You don't need permits. You only need permits. Really? I, at least I don't know about I don't know about Kansas. So if you're in Kansas, don't go out and go get arrested because you heard Alex say. Hey, he didn't need no permit. In New York City, you don't need a permit to put down a tripod or to film unless you're going to stop traffic. You're going to tell people you can't pass through here. You got to go around. Yeah, you're going to do all that stuff. You need a permit. You're going to have a shootout scene in the middle of the street. You need a permit. (laughs) But certain things, otherwise, you don't need a permit. So I've, I've been filming. I've filmed on... And sometimes it's been one o'clock in the morning, and police drive by, and they just, "What are you guys doing?" I'm filming a series. Okay, good night. You know, they'll say, yeah. or they'll stop and look <laughs> at the girls who, you know, have their vampire fangs on and stuff, and they're like, "Oh, this is cool," or whatever. So I never had, I don't want to jinx myself, but I never had any problem with law enforcement as far as saying, "Oh, you can't film here," or you know, you're not supposed to do that. I ain't never run into yeah. that, and I've been shooting for six years on the streets of New York, everywhere. So. The you're, only time I lucky. need permission is when I go shoot in somebody's location. Like we shot, you know, robbery scene inside a grocery store. Ah, I need right. the person's permission, obviously. I can't just go in there and be like, okay, you're going to go this way. And the guy's going to come up with a gun and be like, give me your money. So obviously I have to talk with the owner of the store. Can we shoot here? Can we, you know, and most people in the neighborhood, they're, they're pretty good about it. They'll just be like, yeah, no problem. Yeah, we um, we had a, I, I was, I forget what job I had on this. We had a shootout on Lake Michigan. And it was kind of crappy weather, you know, it was coat weather and stuff like that. We had we we pulled a permit. We paid the whatever, the $25, whatever, had the permit. But we weren't obstructing traffic, so we didn't need police for traffic control. Right. And and we're out there with like we had four cars, we had like eight guys with guns, and 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 they were they were Hollywood style guns. They were they were not real guns shooting blanks. They were they were prop guns, you know, with a big right. orange dot on them. And and so, you know, we we went through, we did the walkthrough. And then we did uh we did the first take. We didn't want to rehearse because we only had I think we only had like uh, 150 rounds of uh of blanks. And so we did the first one and then we were kind of looking cuz we were shooting digital at the time and we were looking at the shots and seeing uh, if we could frame them up better. And then the second time we did the run through we had about we had about six 
Jarvis. Uh, we had about six cops roll up in their cars, guns drawn, <laughs> getting ready to uh, to to put the law down on right. us. You know, and 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 you know, they said drop your weapons. Of course, everybody dropped yeah, their course. weapons, and I told them what to do. I said when they come and they say drop your weapons, drop your weapons, and immediately turn, put your hands on the car, and spread your feet. And so everybody did that. <laughs> And, and I'm standing there with a script, and I got a clipboard, and I got a headset on. And so I raised my hands and walk over to the dearest cop. I said, and I showed him the permit. I said, here's the permit, uh, you know, signed, blah, blah, blah. We didn't need crowd control, so the film office said that we didn't need police supervision. And I explained to them, we even told them that we were going to be shooting blanks. And the cops, you know, they... They were nervous at first, but then, you know, everything was straightened out. And then they helped us out. They kind of blocked off the, the exit so that people weren't going to get off on Lakeshore Drive and drive past there. And right. and one cop, one cop said to me, what, what do you think? You need any police officers? <laughs> yeah, I, that's always you know? funny because when we shoot on scenes with cops, they always ask, hey, you need somebody, man, let me know. It's, it, that is true. <laughs> So, but, but, you know, when, when they tell you, when they show up and they got their guns drawn, I, I told the guys, if they say drop to the ground, toss the guns away from you more than an arm's distance away, get on the ground, put your hands behind your head, or turn around, put your hands on the car and really spread your feet like you can't, you know, you know how you do, where, the way they do yeah, it, yeah. so that if you, like, lift up a and hand, something's going to fall over. Oh man! When, when but, you live in the hood, this is a regular process, man. This is like gonna go get bread at the store. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like okay. We know the, the routine, police show man. up. You know the drill. You know the drill. So that that, but then but then of course as soon as they established that we were supposed to be there, they asked, well, well come on, don't you need some cops in this? I mean, they're shooting. And I said, well, no, not in this particular scene. But you know, we'll try yeah. to figure something out. And I give my card, but um. That, you know, there's a real danger when you shoot in a city. Um, if you don't, you know, we didn't have a boom mic or anything that was visual. We had two right. different cameras, one on a dolly and one on a tripod. But you don't notice that if you're rolling up, you know, and you think that there's gunfire. And we weren't, let's see, where were we? We're 39. We weren't far from some of the projects either. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I try not to use weapons. Uh, if I do use weapons, it's usually scenes that I shoot in the park, not outside right. on the street, um, because I'm very aware of that. I mean, I don't want to go. Sh- I mean, I love film, but not not enough to die for it. Like you know, like Swiss cheese, because some moron cop walked by and thought that we, I have a, you know one of my actors has an actual gun and lights him up like at two o nine and RoboCop, you know. So <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, Put the weapon down. In there, <laughs> Someone made a joke in here about William out there directing a real arrest. That was the reason why I was the person who talked to the cops was because, first of all, I can talk like this. Right, right. And, yeah, you got to be know, able to and, switch over. <laughs> oh, man. And then when they go, who are you? And then I say, I'm William Hayashi. They go, wait a minute. That ain't no Hayashi. That's like, that's that's Asian or something. So, right. you know, at least they stop, you know. but. It's fun shooting in the city because you know sometimes you get something that's unexpected. You know, and that's yes. I like that a lot. Um, when when you since you don't have to pull permits if you're not obstructing traffic, um, 
when you choreograph fight scenes and things like that, do you generally do gener- people generally leave you alone, or do they, you know, do find yourself sometimes having to do your own minor crowd control, or how does that work? Are you getting cooperation from just bystanders? Yeah, ninety percent of the time, people just walk right by; they could care less. They just, you know, they look and just keep walking. Um, Except for that sometimes... one time. Hey, Victoria. <laughs> Hi. Hey, this is Victoria Ambers. She plays Dawn. She's the series lead of Dawn. Well, I, and she's right on time, too. <laughs> Just kidding, <laughs> Dawn. Just kidding. Thanks, Thanks for well, showing up. She's Did right. Tom... One time we did have a, a large crowd, kind of. And, um, and we also had, like, one time we had, like, a whole bunch of kids come over and watch this film, and then afterwards we took photos with them and stuff. So, you know, I, I now I carry, like, cards with me, promo cards. So when people are looking, we just give them a card and say, we're filming this show, check us out on Facebook or whatever. Well, that's good. At least you haven't had to bust the I mean, you haven't had to do any crowd control. No, not, not really. I um, mean, when we filmed in Times Square... I mean, you know, it's full of tourists, and so nobody even notices that you're filming. They think you're filming because you're a tourist, and so we just were able to film a whole, like half an episode in Times Square for the for Dawn, where she just you know goes takes the day off, takes off her regular costumes and dresses like regular people's clothes and goes out to Times Square for a night, and so that was fun. Right. Well, I mean, the the cool part is is that you've got a tight little crew. You. You know, they've worked with you a lot, so you know what to expect. I mean, I think that that's one of the best parts of doing production. If, if you start up a TV show, somebody's got a lot of noise, and they're going to have to cut that out. Because, you know, I noise? get nasty. No, it's okay. <laughs> it's, it's not. But, but so, um, since you all work well together, I mean, it sounds like you've created a long-term relationship for, for doing your, you know, doing your art for quite some time. And what I wanted to ask you before was um, when you when you look at what you're doing now, where kind of where do you see yourself maybe five years from now? You know, in terms of, you know, are you are you, you know, how close will you be to completing the art? And then, you know, will you be starting do you think you're gonna be starting up more series uh, come, you know, that distance down the road. Well, I, I, I mean, I can tell you, like, in, you know, in five years, I'll still be telling stories. I know that. What type of stories? Oh, of I, I, I don't know. But um, I, I try not to think of like, I, I, I never. My mind doesn't work in the sense where I'm like, okay, in five years I'm gonna be rich or I'm gonna be famous or. I, I've never think of all that. All I think about is I want to tell a story because that's all I love. I love film. So even if I didn't make one penny from this, I would still be telling stories. It's just that's mm-hmm. what I enjoy to do. That's what I love to do. And that's that's all I want to do. So um, everything else that comes along with it, when they say, hey, Alex, can you come over here and speak at this event? Hey, Alex, can we screen your show? Uh, hey, hey, Alex, you just won Best Series or Best Special Effects or whatever. All that, or a fan writes me a letter and say, I love your show, it inspires me. All that to me is bonus. All that is all yeah. bonus, you know, because I just do it because I love it and because I love telling stories and I love film work. And so that's why I do it. So, yeah. I, you know, 
I, I can't I can't say enough about how cool it is to be able to live your dream like that. Um, that's to be able to to com, you know completely immerse yourself in what it is you love and and what you want to do is I think is a creative's dream. You know I would love to be able to just sit down and write and just continue to write and then the things that I write support me you know, so that I don't have to go out and do other things and, right. um, you know, and, and so you've got to, you've got to have a good feeling about the fact that, you know, you made that decision, you stuck with it and that it's working out for you. Um, it, it, when you talk about what you're going to be doing five years from now, obviously you're going to be a storyteller, but let me ask you this. What happens if, oh, let's say Sony comes to you and says, hey, we would like to buy body jumpers from you, you know, for a ridiculous amount of money, um, right. and then and then we want to take it over and we want, want to have control over what used to be your intellectual property. Have you thought about that issue yet? Um, yeah. Have you I, thought about what you would do? Yeah, well, you know, all my stuff is trademarked and copyrighted, so, I mean, if they were to offer loads of sons of money or huge amount then I would sell it. I would I would like to license it before I would sell it. But if I had to sell it then and the price was right that I that I'll be able to take care of everybody else on my cast who's been doing work for free and all this stuff. If I could take care of them and then we all be happy, then yeah, it's a yeah. good deal. But if it's if the deal is only good for me and not good for my cast, then I I I would have to turn it down. Well I mean, you know, if Let's say body jumpers. Somebody says, "Okay, uh, we're going to give you five million dollars," um, and and body jumpers is ours. You know, you've got to be sitting there going, "Okay, that's 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 great money." I mean, no no doubt, that's great money. That's retirement money. You could retire off of five million dollars. Right. Um, anybody who doesn't know how, you can give me a call. I'll tell you the two steps to do retire on right. five million dollars. But <laughs> well, I'm serious. You you can you can you know you can you can have a very very good life on five million dollars. But but here's the other cool thing about you that that everybody should bear in mind, you should bear in mind, which I think you already know this, but you can always create something new. Yeah, you know, yeah that's, that's what I was going to say. Part. You know, anybody a, who thinks... Go ahead. I, I was, I was going to say I have 40 years of stories in my head. Um, so it's not it's not like, oh, they take body jumpers. and I, it's, I'm not a, a one-trick pony. Like, I have loads of ideas and stories but it's stories that I can't tell unless I have a certain budget. Like I can't say, let's go do a Western, where I'm going to get 500 horses from. It's not going to happen. Um, you know, certain things like that. So I can only tell the stories that I'm able to tell right now. So I always, I'm very mindful of that stuff. So I, I always write a story around locations I can get or stuff that I can get. I'm not going to write a, a story that takes place on the planet Mars, the whole story, because I can't, do the landscape of Mars and do all the other stuff, you know? But so, yeah, I do have loads of stories. So I, that's what I would do. If it was like loads of money, I would, no problem. I would sell it. I would take care of the cast, give them their, you know, their part, take my part. Right. And then I just go create something right. else. Okay, guys, let's go make something else. And then we just go make something else. Well, have you ever considered, you know, you know, putting putting some of your intellectual property out there for sale, so that you could take that money and and get and and get uh, maybe not five hundred, but you could get thirty five horses to do that western, you know, or or you could close off a street in 
in New York for a little bit and, and show the vampires landing on the street and eating people right. as they're walking by or, you know, all of, all of the kinds of things that, you know, you could fancifully think of, you know, things that you can conceive of in your mind that are beyond your financial reach right now, but have you thought, you know, have you given some thought about, okay, maybe not selling body jumpers, something, maybe Dawn, and then taking the Dawn money and expanding out in some of your other creative universes. You know, it, it is commerce, you know. Yeah, have, you, have, you given, have you given commerce at that level some thought? I have. I have. I have given it thought, but I haven't really pursued it. I guess you could okay. say is the is the correct word just because I'm, I'm wearing 25 hats. But um yeah, I I've, I've I've pondered on that thought and said, "Hmm." <laughs> but I have to like it all goes to again to the whole network and connections thing. So now right now my focus is the new series Aurora because I have I have a producer Chris uh Christmas and he supports me 100%, so that that's very helpful. And he's the one that has provided me with, you know, a crew and writers and, and costume designer, and, you know, and all that stuff because he he was impressed that I do everything by myself. And so he was like, if sure. you do you do all this by yourself, if you have some help, then imagine what you could do. So that's what we're on. And so I'm hoping that I'm able to do a bang-up job with Aurora and, you know, and it comes out great and it's a good hit and people enjoy it. And that it opens the doors for for all of us that are working on it, and for people on my Body Jumpers cast and my Dawn's cast, because um, I always tell them, you know, I'm very loyal to you guys because you guys have been loyal to me. You guys have been there doing shit when we didn't have anything, nothing, and right. you're doing it because you love it, and the, the same reason I'm doing it. Because um, I always tell people, you know, when you get an actor come in, sometimes you get an actor or actress come in. And the first thing out their mouth is how much I get paid. So right there, I'm already turned off. I understand that we all yeah. got to get paid. But to me, that tells me that you care more about the money than you do about your craft. Because your first <laughs> your first words out of your mouth yeah, is how much I get paid. You care more about the money than you do about your craft. Because your first, <laughs> your first words out of your mouth is how much I get paid. You care more about the money than you do about your craft. South Texas. There we go. Um, okay, let me let me ask Valerie something. How did you how did you find Alex? Victoria. Oh. Oh, Victoria. Okay. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry, Victoria. How did you find Alex? How did you two meet so that you could become the star that you are? Um, ha, funny question. I've actually known Alex since I was a kid because he he grew up with my father and my mother. Well, he grew up with my father, but, you know, my mother came into the picture. I was around by then, and so that's kind of how I knew him. I just We go way back. And so um, when he started doing body jumpers and stuff, and so he, that's at, kind of how I knew him. He asked me whether or not I wanted to be part of the show. And at first I wasn't, I wasn't sure because I was like, me acting? I'm not really sure. I've never really done it. That's not really my thing. But eventually, um, he asked my mother as well, and then I got to go on set with them while they were filming. And so I was like, wow, this is actually pretty cool. And so he asked me again. He was like, do you want to be part of the show? I was like, yeah, let's do it. And I mean, that's 
pretty much it. Rest is history. I do everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she started on body jumps, and then when I came up with Dawn, she was really my only choice for the for the lead. Um, because mm-hmm. she she impressed me so much when she came on body jumpers. She did like immediately when she came on. She was doing like fight scenes and stuff like that. And she was to me. She was a natural. She came on. She did the acting. I was like, this is great. So. I thought she was a natural. I think she's great. So when I thought of Dawn, I said, only one person could be Dawn. So I immediately contacted her. And I said, I have an idea for a vampire show. Um, would you be interested in being the lead for the show? And then she said, yeah. And so that's how that came about. Wow. And, and you know, it, it sounds like kind of like an extended family that you put together for your production team. Would that be Definitely. fair to say? Definitely. Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and and so, Alex, when you look, <clears throat> excuse me, when again, when you look down the road, you know, you've got you you have to have the security, or you have to feel the security of the fact that you have all of these people around you who can produce for you. You know, they you you've got a known quantity. You know, this person can right. do. This sort of thing, you know, you've got you've got an actor that does this. You've got uh, you've got, and and I think the the cool part is, you know, although I don't know how long this is going to sustain you, if you start picking up more attention, you know, more maybe even more commercial success. But you know, what what happens when you have to kick your productions into a higher gear and you end up having to have you know, some some additional production people to help you do things. Um, are do you think you're going to be able to kind of let go and let other people give you a hand, kind of like you've done with the comic? You know, with the comics, right? You've got other people who do all of the work. Um, is is it going? How's it going to be for you to let go and turn, you know, all of these these video series right. into into a collaborative effort? Well, my main goal is always, my main thing is always the episode, the show. That's the most important thing. Like, I have no ego. I always tell people that all the time. I have no ego to bruise. All I care about is that we put out a good show every time. Because I always tell people the first name they see on it is mine's, And I'm not going to put out something that's crap with my name on it. So you have that, at least you have that assurance from me. Sure. (laughs) But, like, for example, I, I don't really have a problem letting it go. Um, Aurora, the new, the new series, is, is a perfect example where I'm not doing everything by myself. You know, I have two great writers. They're writing the scripts. You know, I have somebody dealing with the costumes and stuff like that. So I trust them to, to do what they were hired to do, to you know, what they came on board to do. Um, So trust is really an important thing. As long as you have trust, then you'll be all right. I guess the only thing I could compare it to, because I, I, my, I love my shows like my kids, is finding a good babysitter for your kids. If you find a good babysitter that you trust and you'll be right. like, I could go out all night, I could get drunk, I could do whatever I want, I know my kids are good. It's the same thing. So once you put them in hands, then you know they're good hands, then you don't, you don't really worry. Um, mm-hmm. For example, the last episode for Body Jumpers, um, Gina Lou, who's the star of the show, uh, she wrote that episode. Um, okay. So I and I, you know, because I encouraged them to write, and Victoria could could 
um, attest, um, say, uh, talk about this because I, she's actually writing the next episode of Dawn. So I try to push them to be like, well, we, you know, you should write. You should. So I'm not like, you know, how can you say? I'm not over. I'm not overly protective of it. You know, I take care of it, but I, I want people to contribute to it. And if somebody wants to write an episode for it, then then they should. Uh, so she wrote an episode. Victoria's right now writing an episode for Dawn. I had other people write other episodes for Body Jumpers. Um, yeah, so I have no problem collaborating with people. I actually enjoy collaborating with people. Um, mm-hmm. It's nothing better than when, you know, people are sitting around and just coming up with great ideas. Oh, we should do this or we should do that. Um, I I enjoy it very much, and I'm I'm pretty used to collaborating because I collaborate with so many people with the comic books and stuff like that. Not not really on film because it's mostly me, and I only really meet other filmmakers when I go to film festivals and stuff like that. And so I'm usually busy on my stuff, so I can't really work on other people's stuff. And but I have no re- yeah, I have no problem collaborating or having people work on the show. And and um. Do you have, you know, do you have your people stop by while you're editing and doing things like that? Is it, is it kind of an open door policy, or, or are you kind of singular in your, in your pursuit in doing the production work, or, you know, how? Tell us a little bit about your process. Well, you. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure you know all the tools and you know how to do the stuff. But, well, but, I have my. But what about? Go ahead. Well, usually when I'm editing, I have my friend. Uh, Lance, he's sitting there with me, and he's usually he's an honest person. So you always need an honest person in the room. So he's he could be brutally honest. So if I put something together, he looks at it, he'll say, "Well, this is crap, and you need to change this, or this is boring," <laughs> you know. So we constantly there, just reworking everything, right? Because um, it's important to, for people who are not in film. It's important for you to know, like. Because um, uh, it's important uh, for, it, it, for people some, who are not in film. It's important for you to know, like, there's some feedback there. Because um, uh, it's important. Uh, yeah, that's for that's people who are not in film. It's important for you to know, like, some feedback there. Because um, it's important. Yeah, that's for people who are not in film. Yeah. Uh, all I can say about that sort of thing is. White folks. Anyway, okay. um, <laughs> but no, so. well, you know, I'm just saying. Yeah, I'm just saying. Okay, you know, if, call me what you want to call me, but you know, I'm a, I'm a Japanese girl with an attitude. Anyway, <laughs> um, you know, you're you're absolutely right about having somebody who's going to be honest. Um, you know, yeah. my corollary was okay. So I wrote a book, all right, and I had some of my friends read the book. And, you know, at that time, um, you know, you, you have somebody, you ask them, okay, so what do you think of the book I wrote? And your friend doesn't want you to fail or to feel bad. Right. But, but, there's, but there's a definite need for that honest person who's going to tell yeah. you right out, this yep. is not so cool. And, and yep. I didn't know that at the beginning. And, and you know, I, I did realize that my friends have an emotional buy-in and nobody wants to hurt a friend. Or right. whatever. So I had to wait six months after my book was on Amazon to look right. at the reviews to realize the truth of what they said. So, you know, now we're many years down the road, so it's a lot easier because I have beta readers, I have people who are invested in my success in a way right. that they won't lie to me. So that's got to right. be a really cool thing to be able to have that one friend. 
Yeah, um, yeah, I, I, I totally appreciate him. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, so um, oh, somebody somebody had to put a Japanese joke in there. All right, mm-hmm. what's up, you guys? Um, anyway, the um, the the value of the people around you is can't be can't be diminished at all because obviously everybody. It sounds like your whole team is invested in your success. And and given that, nobody wants to turn out anything bad. Nobody wants to, you know, go. You know, I ain't got time to keep looking at this. You know, I got, I've got, I gotta, you know, rearrange my sock drawer or you know whatever excuse right. people have for not doing things. Um, you you managed to put together a very effective team. We we talked about this the last time you were on, and and that's something that people should pay attention to. You know, surround yourself with people who are invested in your success and. And the other half of that corollary is, you know, drop drop haters like a bad habit. You don't yeah, need I mean, them. You know, and, yep. and when they talk about, well, I'm just trying to help you, you know, realize your potential or, or whatever bull that they want to throw out there, really, you don't need that. Life is too short. Nope. You know, and, nope. um, you know, for me, you know, you're a lot younger than I am, but for me, you know, I think in terms of how much time I want to waste. I have fewer years ahead of me than I have behind me. And the last thing I want to do is spend time with people who don't feed my soul. So it sounds like you've got a great team that feeds your soul. And, uh, you know, you ought they, to be happy with that. And, you know, and, they, and you're turning, they inspire me, you know. Yeah, I mean, and you're turning that's what out they a great do. Just, Yep, so they inspire me to just continue to – I look at the, the stuff. I look at the episode. I'm like, this guy's great. And it just makes me want to write another episode. makes me want to tell more stories. And I'm always constantly, you know, even when I came up with starting stories, uh, Victoria was the first one. I said, hey, I'm going to do the science story. You have to be the first one, you know, and stuff like that. So it's just like, um, <laughs> it's just. And, uh, and Victoria, what, what did you think about the silent stories? Oh, I loved it. The fact that they were all black and white and there was no sounds and nobody really has lines. And so that's great, you know, when you have really bad memory. (laughs) (laughs) And so you're really just focusing on like facial expressions or even like um, the action parts of it. So that's one of my favorite parts about filming in general. Like Alex will tell you, every time we do an interview with somebody, they'll always ask me, well, what's your favorite part, Victoria? And I always tell them, oh, the fighting scenes, they're great. Because you don't have to, you don't have to uh, memorize. Um, yeah, I, I'm kind of like that too. I know that if I were going to have to, if I were going to become an actor, um, instead of being you, always being behind the, the scenes, I would have to exercise that muscle that allows me to to memorize lines. Let me ask you this: You've been doing this for a while now, Victoria. You know, do you are you finding it easier to memorize, or or have you just given up and just Decided, well, I'm going to go with the flow and do what I can, and 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 really like those silent or or those non-speaking scenes. Um, so I, I guess what I'm asking is, are you growing your craft? I, I want to say, yeah. Like at this point, it's kind of become a, like a a look, and then all of a sudden, I memorize it because I can't. I'm not the type to like read the script especially if it's like for for Dawn specifically, you know, like two nights before and try to memorize everything because I'll just immediately forget. I have to like look at it the day of and then I'll be like, oh, okay. And then like once we film everything, it'll be there on camera and then it just leaves my head and I'm like, all right, that's 
done. We're we're good here. Cool. That went mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and how do you guys as actors feel about Alex insisting on doing everything behind the camera? What's your opinion of that? I mean, how do you look at that? I mean, I look at it as as something amazing. Oh no, what about I mean, you guys? We absolutely love him. The fact that he's so open to our ideas because we're always, especially me, I'm always throwing things at him and he's so open to it compared to like, you know, other directors who would be like, oh, okay, but, you know, completely like shove you off and not pay you any mind. And, uh, you know, because of the hashtag Me Too and all that, uh, does he treat you respectfully as a woman? (laughs) Absolutely. Come on, I, I asked it seriously. I mean, I try, or I tried to ask it seriously. And, 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 and let me ask you this. Here's, here's the, here's the punchline to that joke. And are you being paid what the guys are being paid? Uh, yeah, you are. Oh, yeah, nothing. I'm definitely. <laughs> when there's nothing, there's a lot to go around. There you go. And, and so see, do, you, do you see how ahead of your time you are, Alex? You know, you you are you are a, a sociological and cultural trendsetter. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, the other, the last part of this, you know, that I want to talk to you for the last few minutes. We've got about ten minutes to go. Is um, when when you when you think about, you know, we talked a little bit about this, you know, that kind of your you're not directly setting up a legacy for your children, but you're teaching your children to be independent and and to look for a life ahead for them, not necessarily in the service of other people. Um, when when you you know, I know you're not really paying the people who work with you, but is that eventually you know what you're what you're pushing for to be able to to do this in a way that everybody gets paid, everybody's compensated, that that there's some remuneration for all of the hard work that people have put in, because that's got to be something that you think about. And I don't say that to yeah. stir up trouble. I'm not. I don't yeah. mean that at no, all. No, no, you know no, what I mean? not at all. That's that's always in my mind. I mean, that's my main goal uh, is to get funds for everybody that I'm able to pay everybody and. And keep everybody and be able to buy not only my freedom but to buy their freedom to, for they for them to be able to do what they love and get paid for it. Sure. Um, but of course, it doesn't happen overnight. It's, it takes a lot of hard work. But I'm closer to that to that today than I was yesterday. I'll tell you that. And and we're gonna get there. I have no doubt about mm-hmm. that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but definitely that that's that's my yeah. goal. I mean. That, that like I said before, like I said to to um, the entire interview, I mean that's my cast, and if I was ever offered a deal that wasn't good for my cast, then I, I would have to turn it down because it's all of us. Um, the show is really a little bit of all of us, so we all have to be able to be happy at the end of the deal and all that stuff. Um, that's very important yeah. to me. Yeah, that's great. And then, um, do you you uh, attend very many conventions? Yeah, we do. We we attend conventions throughout the year, um, in New York, and we do Jersey, and we Florida, Florida. Um, yeah, 
we do we do conventions and stuff, and we do a lot of film festivals and screenings because we get selected a lot. Um, sure. To award so so, yeah, we 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 do events throughout the whole year. And what kind of feedback do you get um, when when people are right there, and you know, if you do a screening or what have you, what, mm. what kinds of what kind of comments are you getting from the general public who are checking out your work? Uh, they they love it when they see it. They love it. First of all, the the first their first reaction is like they can't believe what they saw. <clears throat> Because they've seen a black woman flying through the skies, they've seen a black woman be a hero, they've seen black women rescue people. So they're like, "Whoa, sure. I've never seen that." Or they're watching Dawn. I've never seen a vampire that works for God and stuff like that, you know. And they both feature strong female characters, so it's always positive. And for people that haven't seen it, they they usually they just fall in love with it. They just like, "This is great. This is a great concept." They just there's not there's nothing that they can compare it to. Um, because I always try to keep it as a. Re- I always want my shows to be like, you know what? This is, this kind of reminds me of like. Well, actually, you know what? There's nothing really like it. You gotta kind of watch it. So that's that's usually my goal when I'm, you know, if somebody did it already, I don't really want to do it. Right. I'm trying to do my own thing to just be as original as possible. If they went left, I want to go right every time. Mm-hmm. Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. So you don't, I mean, and that's good. You don't want to be derivative of anybody else's work, um, you know, because, I mean, for the obvious reasons. How hard is it for you to come up with new ideas, you know, you know, things that people have not seen before in stories? Um, you know, I tell people when people say, well, well, Black's on the moon, how did you come up with that? And then I have to admit to, you know, a, a whole decade of cocaine use. That right. probably had something to do with that. Hey, it helped okay. Oliver Stone. I'm sorry. It helped Oliver Stone. <laughs> <laughs> but but in in terms of you, you know, when when you think about trying to put together, you know, something that's that's really crazy unique, um, you know, is, is that really hard for you? It seems like to come up with these ideas, you know, these premises that you can build a whole episode on fairly easily. But is it is it that hard or or is it easy? I mean, what? How does that go it, for you? It's it's not hard because uh, to me it's not it's not hard because I'm constantly my brain is constantly thinking of new things to shoot and stuff, and I'm always thinking, well, I I, I always try to think of stuff that people didn't do. I mean, because I'm never thinking of oh, well, this person did that, so I want to do that, or this person that I want to I want to make my I want to cut it this way because it was cut that way. No, no, no. I'm always thinking of what haven't they done yet, and then I said, "Well, you know what? They haven't done a silent movie in a while. I mean, the last one was The Player, and it won Best Picture. Why they won Best Picture? Because they haven't done a silent film, in, you know, in 70 years. So from sure. the, the Player to now, they haven't done, you know, a few decades. Okay, so let me do a silent thing there. That's different. I haven't seen people doing that. So that's how that comes about. So the ideas usually come about because I'm trying to think of what somebody hasn't done already. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And are you, you know, one of the things obviously that you mentioned earlier was being able to branch out and do, you know, bigger things with your episodes and things like that. Um, you you mentioned just a few minutes ago that you're in the in the hunt for, you know, additional revenue to do your work. Um, is that something that you you can tell us a little bit about how you're going about it, or would you rather keep that private for right now? Well, well, as I mentioned, I have. A producer, I have a producer now, Chris Smith, um, and so me and him are 
basically like partners and we're working together. And so he's helping me in that field of um, trying to get the funds and trying to get everything. Um, kind of like know. that networking thing? Yeah. But, yeah, so just, you know, so that's why I keep going back to Aurora because that's why it's an important project is, you know, to me it's an important project because I believe if, I, if we knock it out the park and it's a great series and stuff, I, I believe, I truly believe it could open doors for a lot of people including my cast back here in New York. So um, it's an important project to me, and so that's why I'm working very hard to just, you know, cross all my T's, dot all my I's, and tell a good story and, you know, stay true to myself and, and to to uh, my ideas and just what, what I think this should be. And, and hopefully at the end, you know, there's, everybody be happy and smiling and we'll be a little better off, you know, than, than we are right now. Um, sure. like that's, that's my ultimate goal. I just, you know, I, they've, they've given to me, uh, what they're giving to me is really priceless. Like I, no amount of money that I paid them to me will be able to pay them back for what they've done for me. Um, because without my cast, it would just be words on a paper or just some silly idea I had while I'm sitting in my room. Um, in the end, the actors are the ones that really bring the story to life, and you know that's who that's who people see. I'm I'm like the cook in the kitchen, right? You go to a restaurant, you taste the food, it tastes great, and you're like, wow. But who made this? Well, the guy in the back over there in the apron in the kitchen, he's the one mm-hmm. that cooked that great dinner. So I'm the cook in the kitchen that you never see. Yeah. And so, and, which is fine with me because yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um. Uh, two things. Uh, first, I want to uh, I want to remind people that your live Facebook event is tomorrow at 3 p.m. Eastern Time at the on the uh, at the Body Jumpers page on Facebook. So if you want to log on and uh, ask any questions and possibly win great prizes, um, go ahead check it out. See what other people are talking about. See what other people might be asking. Uh, so that's tomorrow at 3 p.m. Eastern time to to check that out. And and I want to thank both of you for for actually you know sharing your Friday night with us. And uh, you know it's good to check in and see where you're at, Alex, because you know it's, it's you know the last time we talked, you didn't have nearly as many irons in the fire. So this is good. I mean you're obviously <laughs> moving upward and outward. Um, I know Jarvis has been busy. Stamping out trolls tonight, but uh, I'd like him. I'd like for him to come in and and end the show. Uh, if he if he's upstairs, I'm sure he's upstairs. I don't know if he's upstairs or downstairs. I've never seen his house. I've never met him. I'm actually going to meet Jarvis this May for the first really? time. Let's see, Jarvis. We've known each other what six years now. Six years. So wow. this will be the first time we're going to meet face to face this May. <laughs> So, That's so Jarvis, go ahead and take it on home. Oh, I'm just keeping it short and sweet. I just want to thank everybody uh, for participating on the show and putting what we do, which is, you know, featuring black science fiction and trying to push that whole thing forward. And please uh, excuse the trolls of uh, the plan Space Invaders happening <laughs> that try to jump in the show tonight. Um, <laughs> but definitely come on the site and... Uh, share what you're doing, like your event, 
and your artwork and your videos so we can share that out to all 5,000 plus that are registered on the site. Um, in addition to the, uh, the people that are on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. So we want to make sure to take care of home base as well as the um, social network. So drop your information, pictures, events, anything you're doing so that we can share it with everybody so we can support what you're doing. And thanks, thanks for making it. Oh, most definitely, man. Thanks for your time. And thanks, as always, to William for making it uh, entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> oh, as always, it's really been a pleasure listening to your process and sharing in what you're, uh, what you're doing out here, man. You're really uh, a motivation for me. And so you, you never know when you're doing this stuff, you never know who you're uh, uh, influencing. And I just wanted you to know that you're, you're a great uh, motivator for me in terms of we got to get our pro project out here and done. <laughs> Thank you so much, man. Thank you so much. Well, Thank you. Um, Thank you. And tomorrow, I want you guys to have a great, uh, a, a great live. I don't know what you call it. What do you call it? Live Facebook Live Q and A. Facebook, yeah, Facebook Live Q and A. For those who, who uh, last, uh, this will be my last reminder. It's 3 p.m. Eastern time on Facebook, on the Body Jumpers page on Facebook. So you can check out, um, you know, check out Alex and. Uh, and, and, and ask some questions that you may think of after the show's over. Uh, I want to thank everybody who listens live. I want to thank the people who picked this up as a podcast. Um, as always, it's fun to see people here and interact during the show, during the live stream. Um, and I want to thank everybody who supports the show, who supports Black uh, Science Fiction Society.com. I do have one selfish appeal. I am almost done with the second trilogy in my Dark Side series, my Dark Side universe. And I wouldn't normally do this, but trying to get three books published simultaneously is, is pretty expensive. If you at all have it in you to support me, and whether you do or not, that's entirely up to you, um, go to GoFundMe and look for uh, the Archangel X trilogy, or maybe even search on my name. If you have a, a ducket or two that you can throw in the hopper, that would be great. If not, you know, it's going to get done anyway, one way or the other. <laughs> There's a lot of old people in downtown Chicago who are walking around, can't run, can't fight back. And, you know, I may be able to pick up a little funding, uh, you know, that way. <laughs> Anyhow, <laughs> everybody take care. Thank you all for listening. And, uh, again, Alex and Victoria, thank you for being here. And Thank, uh, you for the rest Thank you for having us. Thank you. Oh, it was great. And for the rest of you, we will see you next week with another exciting guest or guests. Everybody have mm -hmm. a good night. Bye-bye. Have a good night. Bye -bye. Take care. Thanks again. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye, -bye. Bye. Recording. Stop. Hello? It's still yeah. recording. No, she, she left, but... Uh, yeah, the the show's still recording. But anyway, Alex, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it. This, this you make it easy. So thanks. Thanks, bro. I appreciate you having me, man. Man, this All is right, great. Man. Yeah. So good luck tomorrow. I'm gonna be out working. Otherwise, I would tune in. But uh, good luck tomorrow. I hope it goes well for you. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna tune okay, in man. and I'm gonna also share it on Facebook. Awesome. All right. All right. Okay. All right. Good night. Take care, guys. Good night. Bye bye. Bye bye.
Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.